Hallelujah. And the Lord good. Hey, I don't know about you, but man, when we were going into that third song and we just started singing the name of Jesus, you got something shifted in the atmosphere. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not. Now, I need you to hear this because when God moves in these ways, often it's ever so subtle, yet it's ever so powerful. What I mean is, oftentimes when we think that God is wanting to move, we expect all of this fanfare to come along with it. But you see, I remember reading somewhere in 1 Corinthians, no, it was 1 Kings 19, let's go to that scripture because I like that one better in this regards, that there was a place where a wind came and it tore through a mountain and the Lord wasn't in it. And then an earthquake came and the Lord wasn't in that. And then a fire came and the Lord wasn't in that. But then came a still, small voice. And so I just want to say to you that in your moments of worship, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles that man puts on it. It doesn't have to be where it's all this, but just a time where you just say, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, there's just something about that name, amen, church? Master, Savior, Jesus. Yeah, can we do that right now, Jesus? We love you. We worship you, Son of God. We thank you, Lord, for your precious Holy Spirit that's already here in our midst, already doing your bidding in our hearts, already doing your work in our minds. God, would you give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to the body of Christ today? And Lord, would you come, Lord? Would you bring life change? Would you bring transformation? We stand against the works of the devil. We stand against every tactic that he has placed against what you have purposed today. We declare the works of the devil void, kneel, dead in the name of Jesus. But we declare today, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. And in this place, and in our hearts, and in our lives, in the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is it okay if I just skip past giving a little introduction and a joke that you're just going to laugh at because it's cheesy anyway, and we just get into some live talk right now? Is that all right? I want to just come out of the gate, and I want to ask a question. And the question's this. Who here this morning, and you don't have to say what it is, and I'm not going to call upon you to tell me what it is, but you would say, I am trusting God, I am believing God for a miracle in my life right now. And by miracle, I mean the ability to do what you couldn't do in your own strength. You need God to intervene. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and raise it up? Now, looky here. Ha, opportunities for miracles all over this room. Come on, I love it, I love it. Yeah. I know that there are some of you that are here this morning, you're believing for miracles. Some of you are believing for a miracle in your marriage. Some of you are believing for a miracle and a breakthrough with your children. Some of you are believing for a miracle and a breakthrough in finances or with your health. And to that, I just want to make a declaration to you right now. And that is, breakthrough is here. I didn't say breakthrough was coming. 
I said breakthrough is here. The time is now. I want you to listen to what the prophet Isaiah has to say in Isaiah 43 and verse 19. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now, sometimes in order to grab hold of the new thing, you've got to be willing to let go of the old. And that means that we've got to let go of old mindsets that thinks, well, this is the way that it's always been, so it's probably always going to be this way. But I want you to know that we have got to let go of that old way of thinking because until we let go of that old way of thinking, we are limiting God and the things that, that he wants to do in our life. But we've got to let go of that and trust and invite him to come in and to do that new thing that he wants to do. God says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Then he says, come on, now it springs forth. And that's what I'm talking about when I say breakthrough is here. You see, our God is the God of the now. The Bible says that today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today is the day of salvation. Today, God wants us to be whole. Today, God wants us to be complete. Today, there is to be nothing lacking in our life because he has already promised to give us everything that pertains to life and godliness in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But God's declaration through the prophet Isaiah then comes with a question. And that question is this. Do you not perceive it? Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? When God posed this question, and by the way, can I just say, I believe that it's the same question that the Spirit of God is posing to us today. Do you not Perceive it? That word is the Hebrew word yada, which means going beyond mere intellectual understanding. Because to perceive or, or to yada means that we're to have spiritual sensitivity and attentiveness to the movement of God in our lives and in how he's moving throughout the earth. Then in the last part of Isaiah 43, 19, it ends with God saying, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Oh, man, I think that's a prophetic word right there. You see, whatever he says, I'm making a way in the wilderness, in the wasteland, that imagery of wilderness and wasteland, it conveys a sense of desolation, barrenness, and, and even spiritual dryness. And it's also a representation of life's many challenges and, and difficulties. However, God declares that he is making a way in those inhospitable places. But I want you to make sure you catch this. Because that word way, see this suggests more than just a, a physical route. You see the road that God may have you on it doesn't always mean that he's going to change the circumstance. Like he could, and sometimes he will, but I have found that most often it's a change of heart and a change in our way of thinking. In other words, your breakthrough is more about what's happening inwardly than what's taking place outwardly. Are y'all hearing me this morning, church? That's why David said, 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that God wasn't going to remove David's obstacles, but rather he would provide everything for him that he needed in the midst of his opposition. Now, I tell you all this because, church, I want you to start to understand and recognize how God operates. And you need to know this so that you won't think that God has given up on you or that just because you're up against hard times in your life that somehow now he's not at work. No. Every person that God has ever used in a significant way, he allowed to go through difficulty. But in that difficulty, God provided. God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But God didn't exempt Moses from first facing Pharaoh and facing rejection and opposition from his own people first. David became the greatest king that Israel would ever have, but not before first facing opposition from his big brother, having to go toe-to-toe against Goliath. And having King Saul and his army chase him all over Israel trying to kill him. Joseph became the second in command over all of Egypt, but not first before becoming a slave and spending time in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. Esther saved her people, but not first before risking her life by standing up against the oppressive plans of Haman and King Xerxes. And of course, there's the Apostle Paul, which this right here probably serves as a good segue for where we're at right now in our series, All In. Paul, who spread the gospel all throughout the Roman Empire, planting dozens of churches, leading and raising up countless spiritual leaders, and ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament, but not before first facing extreme opposition persecution, and imprisonment. As a matter of fact, he did all those things that I just mentioned right there while being in the midst of imprisonment and extreme persecution. And so again, I say all this just to let you know, God is consistent in how he moves. So the next time that you look at your life and you think, well, all this difficulty, what was me? No, there's not a person that has not went before you that has not faced the same thing. But you and I, And I love this, and thank God for God's word. Thank God for testimonies, like what we talked about. I hope you got to share your testimony with someone this week. Thank God for testimonies. Because, see, you and I, now we have the vantage point of seeing all these great men and women of God that have went before us and seeing all the things that they have done. And so I want to say to you again, breakthrough is here. It's just that it may not look the way that you thought that it would. Now, on that note, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Can you believe we only have two more chapters left in our all-in series? If you are just joining us, we've been going chapter by chapter, and some weeks we've had to take several weeks on a chapter. Uh, I don't know what Acts 28 is going to take. I don't know if next week will be the end of it or if we'll have to drag it out a couple more. I may drag it out a couple more just because I'm really loving and enjoying this. But it's been the longest series I've ever preached in my 25 years of ministry. But I've enjoyed going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of Acts and our all-in series. Have you guys enjoyed 
this teaching. I'll tell you, it's been so great uh, getting to study for it, and it's awesome how God has taught me so much through this. And these next two chapters, uh, today and next week particularly, um, we're going to be reading about so much that God, I believe, wants to teach us about our faith walk. And um, for those of you that are just joining us, let me just tell you, the book of Acts was written by a man named Luke. Uh, He authored two books in the New Testament. The other one bears his name, uh, Luke. And in this particular chapter here in Acts chapter 27, he's writing from the place of an eyewitness account about the life of the Apostle Paul. And at this particular point in Paul's life, he's in trouble and he's in transition. Perhaps you can identify with one or both of those situations. But if not, let me just say, don't exempt yourself from tuning in because I can promise you that if this word isn't for you today, at some point in your life, this is going to be a word that you're going to need. Because if you ever want to do great things for God, experience has taught me, or better yet, Scripture teaches us all that God will often do his greatest works in our lives when we find ourselves in trouble or in transition. So here we have Paul who's on his way to Rome. He's always wanted to preach in Rome, and now he's on his way there, but he's not traveling in the way in which he would have chosen. He's traveling with a couple of hundred prisoners, with himself being one of them. And so he's going to Rome like he wanted, but he's not getting there the way that he thought he would have gotten there. And I think this point right here will preach because, you see, sometimes God allows you to see your dream fulfilled, but the road that it took in order to get you there may be much different than what you had planned whenever you were first given the dream. I guess I could say it this way. The dream was free, but the journey cost you more than you ever imagined that it would. And so Paul is heading to Rome to preach, but he's doing so in chains. So Acts 27 We'll start here in verse 9. It says, much time had been lost. And sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. I wrote down next to this verse right here, of course he did. Right? I mean, who are you going to listen to? The preacher or the pilot of the ship about how to steer the ship? But I think that there's a hidden lesson here in this text that could easily be overlooked. See, I believe that Paul represents more than just a a prisoner or a preacher on a ship. But Paul represents to us the word of God on board. And I want to ask a question about your life right now as we look at this text. I want to ask, are you steering by the spirit or by your senses? See, all these men, they're about to get in a whole lot of trouble steering by their senses. Now, in all fairness, It makes sense to listen to the pilot rather than listen to 
the prisoner who also happens to be uh, a preacher. It makes sense to listen to the owner of the ship, to whether the vessel was going to be able to withstand the weather forecast. But how many of you know that you can get in a lot of trouble just trying to make sense? See, I wonder if the pilot <laughs> and the owner of the ship are the representation of experience. And where experience can serve you, hear me now. I'm getting a little older. I got some gray on me now. I got some experience. Experience can serve you in many, many positive ways and in many situations. There is also a downside to experience because you can begin to steer your life based on what you see and what you smell and based on what you feel and based on how things have worked the last time. And I just want to warn someone this morning who you have stopped steering by the Spirit and instead you've been steering by your senses. You've got your nautical map out and you're following what makes sense. I want you to know that when you start being steered by what makes sense, it's just a matter of time before you're walking by sight, not by faith. See, it doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's not supposed to make sense. It doesn't make sense to listen to what Paul has to say about steering the ship. It doesn't make sense to love someone who wrongs you, hurts you. It didn't make sense for Elijah whenever they poured water on the offering before he asked God to Put it on fire. It didn't make sense for Joshua to circle around Jericho with a, a marching band telling him, don't say anything until the, the seventh day. Because what made sense was for them to start building ladders so that they could get over that wall. Like, that's what made sense. But look, I'm not trying to make sense. I'm trying to do what God said. Now, I'm going to use some good common sense as I do what God's told me to do, but if it comes down to what makes sense or following the Spirit, I'm going to choose to walk by faith and not by what I sense. Hmm. If you only knew the things that are going on right now behind the scenes at Destiny Church. <laughs> Good things, okay? Big things. Uh, I guess I should say God things. Then you'd know that we're starting to make some big steps of faith. Steps that don't make sense. But years down the road, we'll look back and we'll see that God moved through what didn't make sense. Listen, here's the first point that I have for you this morning. It's not always supposed to make sense. It's not always supposed to make sense. You know, this is a word for someone this morning who started out walking in faith, but now you're trying to make sense. And you're going to miss out on some of the things that God wants to do in and through you if you start trying to make sense where God has called you to have faith. I understand that we all have this uh, propensity within us to want to make sense of everything, but can I just point out to you the scriptures and remind you of all the people who got in trouble time and time again because they were trying to make sense? I mean, it made sense 
for the 10 spies to go into the promised land and then come back and say, hey, guys, we shouldn't go back in there because they are way bigger than us. It made sense. It made sense for Saul to offer a sacrifice because Samuel was running a little late. Made sense. It made sense for Abraham to sleep with Hagar. Hey, whatever you say, Sarai, right? (laughs) Made sense. But church, when I look back at the most pivotal moments of my life, both in life and in ministry, look, they didn't make sense. And I didn't get to this place by making sense. If I would have tried to get to this place, then I wouldn't be here. But church, whenever I look at these moments, I got to tell you, we've got to make sure that we trust God and not try to get caught up in our head because we are called to live by faith and not by sight. And again, I'm not saying that you intentionally do stupid things, but I know that I would not be here, like I said, if I had calculated all of my steps thus far. Are are you with me? And so in our text today, we see Paul, who's representing the word of the Lord, and he's saying to these men who are about to get in a whole lot of trouble, there's a higher power than your nautical prowess. But they choose to follow the pilot and the ship owner. And in verse 13, it says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, so at first everything appeared fine. Weather's fine, Paul. No problem. It takes them a little while to realize that the winds are against them. The Bible says that they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Underline that right there in your Bible. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. So now they're just desperate, doing anything that they can do to try to keep it together. Scripture says, because they were afraid then that they, were, they would run aground the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. See, there's that phrase again, driven along. I believe there are some of you that are watching this morning online and here in person that that's kind of a representation of your life right now. You've just been driven along. You've been steering by your senses instead of the spirit, and eventually the storm came, and before long, you're just driven along. Still moving, but not driven by the wind of the spirit, driven by the the wind of circumstance. Still moving, and maybe no one else even notices it because you're still in motion, but you know that in your heart, you're just being driven along. See, I think that this passage is great for many things because this storm right here, it could represent fear. It could represent shame. The storm could represent people who don't like you and seem to be always working against you. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I read the stories in the Bible, I like to find myself in the Scripture. 
not write myself in the scripture, but pull from the life and the lessons of those who have went before us. And whenever I look at this text, I can see that there are some times that I relate to Paul. But there have been a whole lot more times that I felt more like the boat, just driven along. Now, I want you to see something just to give you a different perspective in case you've never seen this before. In verses 18 and 19, it says this. It says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's a scary place to be. Watch this. They lost what they were being guided by. And when they did, they gave up all hope. See, there's a sequence in which hope is lost. It goes from desperation, or rather discouragement, then desperation, and then despair. And while this is a message for everyone, I want to especially speak to those of you that are here that you're in that place of despair. Like you've had some forces beat up against the deck of your life, and your heart, and your mind, and your soul. You've lost what you were led by. And you don't really know what's next for you. And you don't really know how this is going to be resolved. You've thrown away everything and everyone that you can get rid of, and now you've given up hope. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that though it may appear as if all hope is gone, it ain't over. Come on, someone say, it ain't over. I know it's bad grammar, but it's good theology. God's not done. I want you to look at verse 21, because here comes Paul. Again, remember, Paul is representing the word of the Lord here. Here comes Paul. You know the one who told them to not do this thing to start with? And listen to what he says in verse 21. He says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice to sell from Crete. I just wonder when I'm reading that because it made made sure that they got physically weak so that they couldn't come and hammer down on them. I'm going to wait till they get weak before I kind of say, I told you so, right? I don't know. There's probably a reason that's mentioned. <laughs> he says, man, you should have taken my advice and not sailed to Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Again, Paul essentially saying, guys, I told you all so. But I want you to look at the first two words of this next verse because this right here is where hope comes from. Now, maybe these words aren't going to mean anything to you. Maybe you've never done anything stupid before. Maybe you're not in a storm right now. But for those of you who knows what it feels like to be driven along, maybe these two words will mean something to you. He said, but now. Come on, say but now. But now. I love this conjunction because it tells me that the story isn't over. And I'm here to tell someone this morning, your story isn't over. God is just getting around to the good part. Now, I'm not saying the easy part, <laughs> but the good part. 
Because this is where God comes in and shows himself strong with his redemptive power. And I want to bring your attention to the context of this storm that we're in because I think usually whenever we talk about storms in church and we talk about them a lot, we look at them into the context of Jesus telling us to get into the boat and then the storm's going to come, right? And it kind of makes sense that, that God would see me through that kind of storm, kind of like, you know, where God guides, God provides, right? And, and he's going to see me through any trouble. But what about whenever I get in trouble and it's my own fault? I know y'all look confused like that's never happened to you, but let me just say, hypothetically speaking, what if you made a dumb decision and that got you in trouble? What if it isn't just the devil? Hey, devil didn't make this storm. You see the word devil anywhere in this pack passage? What's my point? Well, I'm talking to those of you who you have made some bad decisions. And if you had to do it over again, you'd do it differently, but you messed up. Today in worship, your head's bowed, but it isn't bowed down out of reverence, but rather out of shame because you knew that you screwed up and now you feel like all hope is lost. But I want to say to you the same thing that Paul said to these men when they thought that all hope was gone. But now. But now. Hey, you can't do anything about what happened to you six years ago. But now. You can't do anything about that job that you shouldn't have take, taken, but, but now. Yeah, you should not have said that thing that you said about that person in that situation, but now. We can't do anything about the way that you were treated, and I know that they misunderstood you, and I know that they didn't you know, hear your side of the story, but now. But now. Your story isn't over. Acts 27, 22 says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Church, I say to you, keep up your courage. Young people, I'm talking to you. Old people, I'm talking to you and everything in between. Because hope doesn't, isn't for just any certain age from 8 to 80 that's sitting in this room. There is hope. Your pulse is proof of your purpose. If God didn't have hope for you, you wouldn't be alive right now. There is hope for you, friend. If you can hear my words right now, there is hope for you. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Now, this may not sound like the best of news, but this is just all depends upon what your perspective is. Let's let the ship represent what you think you can't live without and whatever you think is carrying you whatever you think is is holding you up whatever you think is going to get you where you're going whatever you think it is that God was going to use listen if your hope is in the boat now that's a death sentence but if you'll put an emphasis in the right place Paul says only the ship will be destroyed. Only. The dream isn't lost. The calling hasn't died. Somebody needs to hear that. I pray by the Spirit of God that that rises up in your innermost being. Destiny still awaits you. The best is still yet to come. Paul says, keep up your courage. Hazak, be strong and courageous. 
See, there's a wonderful thing here. It's so important. And, and, and let me just say this, because I think there are some of you that are here. Before I say that, let me just say that there are some of you that are in trouble because your courage has been tied to your conditions. Like you have, like, conditional courage. And you're scared to death, you're, you're freaking out, you're, you're losing sleep, you're backtracking on stuff, and it's because your hope is in the boat. So there's a wonderful thing that God does even in the midst of us making bad decisions. He will cause our focus to become fixed and to get our hope out of the boat. I'm talking about a heart that says, even when it all comes unraveled around me, God, I'm still holding on to the promise that you're not done yet, that you're still writing my story. And God, if you want me to get on a boat, and if you want to use the boat, then I'm going to row, row, row my boat. But if not, then I'm going to doggy my paddle all the way to the shore, but I'm not giving up. There's no devil in hell that's going to stop me from reaching my destiny. Church, here's the confidence that we're to hold on to. Are you ready for this? Print this out and, and glue it on your refrigerator. Listen to this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus is our prince of Pentecost. He is our prince of peace. And in him we have peace. And if you don't have peace, grab hold of Jesus and you'll have peace. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you would have peace. Not in the boat, not in the things, not in your jobs, not in your connections, not in what you know, but me. So that in me you'd have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I don't think that I have to work hard in convincing you of this truth because tomorrow when you go to school or you go to work or wherever you're going, if you're doing summer school, it's probably really bad, young people, right? Then all of a sudden you're going to find, man, in this world I have trouble. Absolutely. But he says, take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Write this down. The trouble that you're facing today will be the testimony of triumph tomorrow. I'm talking about living from the place of faith, church. That's what we do as people of faith. I said, that's what we do as people of faith. We don't live by whenever everything's lined up and all the stars are together and all of our ducks in a row. Oh, now I can praise God. No, we praise God when it's all a mess. And we trust that God's going to take our mess, our brokenness, and put it all back together. This is what Revelation 12, 11 is talking about when it says, they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb because of the word of their testimony. Here it is again. We talked about it last week. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you provided for me. Oh, you got a testimony. Did you know that? If you're saved, you got a big testimony. Hallelujah. If you woke up this morning under a roof, you've got a testimony. If you're going to get fed today, you got a testimony. If you've got someone sitting next to you that loves you, or maybe that ain't even here today, but there's someone out there that loves you, if just anybody loves you, that's still a testimony. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. And if we believe that, and that's true, the Word of God says it is, then we should be grateful. And we've got a testimony. It says they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and because of the word of the testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Church, this is the perspective that we must have. Are you ready? We're not fighting for victory, but from victory. Did you hear me? 
the outcome has already been determined. Come on, someone say amen to that if you believe it. The outcome has already been determined. It's already been written. Fred, can I tell you that in Psalm 139, the scripture says that all your days, each and every one of them, even this day, that every one of them were written before yet one of them come to pass. You have a destiny. I like that word. You have a purpose. It is ordained by God before the foundation of the world. And you're here and you're hearing this and you're breathing and you're alive. You're not six feet under. You're here because God has a purpose for you. And because he has a purpose, you have hope. Let's look back at the story because there's something big that I want you to see. In Acts 27 verse 23, Paul said, Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. So Paul's encouraging them to not be afraid. I can relate to that because sometimes the preacher has to get up here and say, be courageous. And I go home and suck on my thumb and say, Lord, help me, right? It's okay. So the Lord comes to Paul and says, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. God basically said, I can't let you die in this battle because you've got a greater one ahead of you. He says, and God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. See, that's it. That's what we're looking to right here. I have faith in God. My faith isn't in the boat. My faith is in Jesus. And I have faith, just as the scripture says right here, that it will happen just as he told me. Church, this right here is the hope that we hold on to, that the God to whom we belong and serve, that he will cause it to happen just as he told me. Not as I imagined it, but just as he said. See, the problem we often run into is that we are in love with the way that we want it to happen. Now, I don't mean to challenge you, but is that you? I don't mean to rock your boat, but <laughs> church, two people got that. That's bad, ain't it? But watch, we got to get our hope out of the boat, out of our circumstance, out of what we thought was going to get us there and just have faith in God. Hey, trying to understand the purpose of God and how he wants to work in your life, that, that that's going to be one of the most elusive tasks that you will ever try to grab hold of. Because at the moment that you think that you've got it figured out, I'll promise you that God will come and flip the script. And he'll do so because he loves you. And he wants your faith to be where it should have been all along in him. And so here's the thing about the boat. The boat is good, but the boat isn't God. Only God can guarantee your arrival to your destiny. That's why we sing, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he says that it will happen. I will fulfill my destiny. I might be a little bit older than I had hoped whenever it happens, but it will happen. 
There may be some people that started out with me that won't be there with me when I get there, but it will happen. It's not going to be as easy as I thought it was going to be, and it's costing me a heck of a lot more than I thought that it would, but it's going to happen. But I don't care how it happens. I just know it will happen. Church, he shall perform everything that he has spoken to you and in your life. Faithful is he who began a good work in you to bring it about to completion. You might have to fight a little bit harder than you thought that you would have to. You might have to face some things that you didn't train for, but it will happen. They may talk about you on the way and give you all kinds of pressure and difficulty, but it will happen. And I just want to prophetically declare to you this morning, I pray to God that your faith is being stirred to know that if you will keep your faith in God and take your hope out of the boat, whatever that boat is symbolic of in your life, it will happen. I said it will happen. Come on, if you believe it, I want you to stand to your feet with me and let's worship God. Let's praise him this morning. So we're going to read in our final message next week. might be our final message. I might stretch it out. You're going to see that God did do all that he spoke. Paul did indeed go to Rome, and he preached the kingdom of God. Church, all that God has purpose for your life, hold on to this word for a minute. This is from the Spirit. Not one word that has been spoken of your life will fall to the ground. If you will keep your faith and your trust in God, don't look to the wind or the waves, Peter. Don't look at how you're going to bring down the wall there, Joshua. Don't, don't think about how can I put together a, a crafty little speech because I, 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 I stutter a little bit, Moses. But just trust me that I'm going to do it just as I said it will happen, just as I spoke it. So church, keep up your courage and your faith and your trust in God. You may have to face some storms. You will face some storms along the way. Your boat might get destroyed. That's okay. Maybe the boat needed to get destroyed, but it will happen. Amen.